Before I start the show, I want to talk about StarStock. The site has now launched in beta, and you can deposit, purchase cards, view your collection, and flip those cards in the marketplace with more being built. StarStock is building a sports card marketplace aimed to be faster and cheaper for flipping sports cards than any other platform. They're currently looking for people who want to submit their cards to sell on the platform. Here's what they're offering. A 5% commission, no ingestion fees, you send in your cards and they do all the work. The cards are guaranteed and secured in a vault, and you can choose to ship your cards back at any time. You can buy, flip, or store cards with a click of a button. If you're interested in getting involved as a seller, contact Mike at Mike at Starstock.com. Starstock is only looking for rookie cards and prospects of current players. For more details, contact Mike at Starstock.com. And let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Well, for today's interview, you get to hear from somebody who is on my card collecting Mount Rushmore, and that is Brent Williams, better known as Brent and Becca online. He is one of the biggest breakers of Topps products there is, and I just love the story of of hearing about how he puts in so much time and effort to create a business for himself and his family and um, the information that he shares with the hobby community about these Topps products and what you can expect inside is just unmatched. It, it, It really is unparalleled for a single contributor, the small team behind him. So without much further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Brent. All right, welcome back. And today I've got another interview for you. It is with Brent Williams, better known as Brent and Becca Online. He's one of the biggest case breakers that's out there that breaks things in, in not the traditional case breaking sense, but he he breaks cards and then he sells them direct to to customers as well as on eBay. Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today. No problem. Well, I thought maybe we could get started. I usually like to ask people kind of the the stereotypical question, but when did you start collecting? When did you start get your start in cards? Uh, cards was around 82 slash 83. Um, and it actually began with Star Wars cards from Tops. And that led into some baseball cards, but obviously I was only four and five years old at the time, so I didn't really know much about baseball. But that led into Garbage Pell Kids eventually and other, you know, non-sport cards that Tops would put out back in the day, in the early 80s, mid-80s. As I said before, you're known for being a, a huge case breaker, but not in that traditional sense. How did you get started with this? In the mid to late 90s, I was graduating high school in 97 and starting college. I had started to accumulate a little bit of debt because of my collection. Because as around that time, as we know, around 19, what, 91 or so with Leaf, 
90 I guess, with Leaf. Uh, the packs were a premium. I think they were like $3 a pack back in 90. They just gradually went up. Yeah, I think SPX or something was $5 at a time, maybe even $10 at one point for SP Authentic or something as the years went on. So I had started to accrue a little bit of debt, and I had a, a big collection. Well, as a college student, it was not easy to deal with that debt. And I just so happened that's that was I mean, used to you could buy, sell, trade through Beckett Marketplace before eBay came out. Well, right right around the same time, I guess, because the internet was just getting going. It was just a perfect storm for me being, you know, 18, 19 years old with a fairly large collection for my age at that time because I had really started buying by the box and case around 1988 so i mean it had been about a decade of collecting and not selling a single card ever but long story short i think by my sophomore year in college i had like 30,000 i want to say 26 to 30,000 credit card debt because of the cases i was buying and boxes and also i started getting into memorabilia um that's really what got me started i started thinking i can't keep doing this i want to collect but i can't keep everything obviously don't have enough room especially living on my own at that time and then i i just had to narrow my focus down it's like what was my purpose for collecting and it was i was a set builder and i was like i want to build sets and back then there wasn't autographs and games i mean they're very very rarely obviously you hit one of those um so i just tried to build some sets and um so i ultimately started selling some things and unfortunately i sold a lot of good things that just now lately i've i mean i had so much jordans that was my only guy that i pc'd back then was jordan cards outside of uh baseball and basketball sets and i had a lot of jordan stuff uh you know rookies and and um ultra i love Fleer ultra i used to have a ton of their inserts which i think those things have just taken off but you know yeah. it is what it is i had to part with that stuff so that's what got me started in selling and so at that time it was just on the side did you have a oh yeah a, a day 100%. job or career yes i was going to college to become a youth and family pastor which i did and i was did that for full time for a decade um at two churches here locally so yeah that was my main job i mean i had a salary and it was a good salary especially being in the ministry most people don't you know have decent salaries but i was blessed to have a good salary that supported my hobby but it was a hobby it was on the side i only sold what i didn't want i kept a lot of stuff but you know i just tried to get out of debt i was buying cases in the late 90s and early 2000s i bought a a truck full of 2001 upper deck golf unfortunately i bought a i think five cases at release at man i want to say that those cases were like a thousand or twelve hundred dollars or something and they tanked right away but later i went to blowout and i think blowout a year later was selling full cases for fifty dollars and i bought a hundred of them they had a special if you bought a hundred it was like thirty five hundred dollars thirty five dollars a case or something so I contacted Chris at Blowout, and I started buying those things. And that I I did WNBA at the time when it was new, and that was a it was a fun product, but it was so such a I, that's when you start finding out you can make money by opening cases. I sure. mean, I had done it here and there, but not on not on purpose. But WNBA 
and UD Golf, I think, were the first two products I bought to try to make a profit and not keep anything. Although with UD Golf, don't get me wrong, I wanted tire stuff yeah. for me. But there was only a handful of, other than the tire tail inserts, only a handful of tires in there that I was really interested in. So that's that's how I got started, and that was that way for a long time. And even after uh, ministry, I went into banking, and that was my full-time job for a long time before cards became the full-time gig. That's interesting that some of the first products that you broke specifically to try to profit from and to resell were two fairly non-mainstream products, you know, golf and WNBA. And so, you know, that's pretty interesting. And and that kind of was a good proving ground for you, it sounds like. At what point yes. did it pivot to being a, a full-time thing? It was almost 10 years ago now, uh, 2011 at the end so i guess probably closer to january 2012 but i was spending more time on ebay cards than i was with my banking job i was using all of my pto and they gave me a lot of it i mean weeks and weeks and weeks of it um to do ebay stuff i was you know that's back when smartphones started coming around so you would start getting ebay notices on offers while i was working and i didn't feel right about that because i was a a manager and I had moved up to vice president and it just, it was taking more of my time. And I realized that if I'm really going to be serious about this, I should try it full time because it was more than full time, probably 10 years prior to that. I was spending way more time on cards since, since even the ministry days. Um, so yeah, I, it just was eating up all my time. And I thought to be fair to my job and that I would try to do this eBay thing. What platforms do you sell on? I only sell on eBay now, although I guess that's misleading because over 50% of my sales do come from direct customers, um, which are just customers I've accumulated over the year, which I sell through on email or Twitter. I don't use Facebook or check out my cards um, or anything else like that. I, you, I did dabble in Amazon for a while, but that things have changed. So I, yeah, mostly, I mean, as far as online, other than direct, it's eBay 100%. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, did you experiment with checking my cards or sport lots or any of those other no, sites? Or? Uh, check out my cards is not ideal for someone like me that wants to open a product the day it comes out and get through it and get to the next week's release. Check out my cards is great for low end stuff. And there, don't get me wrong. I know high end stuff too, but you know, it's going to be weeks until that stuff can get listed on their site. And so you want to capitalize on the first 48, 72 hours um sport lots i buy from sport lots all the time i know 90 percent of the dealers on there i sell direct to a lot of dealers on there who in turn sell my base cards and inserts on sport lots to turn a profit i may sell them bulk cards at a dollar a dollar uh one and a half cents a card and then they'll put the base cards on there for 18 cents and inserts up from there parallel so i sell to a lot of guys that sell on sport lots in that regards how do you use social media or how has social media helped grow your business? You know, you mentioned just a second ago that you sell 50% or more of your stuff direct now through mm -hmm. email and you said Twitter. 
has, has that been a, a source of helping you build that customer base or how have you used social media in the business? Social media is definitely huge. I don't use it the way I should. I think I did probably five years ago when I was trying to gain followers on Twitter. I, you know, I did some giveaways and Q and A's and stuff like that. Um, I was really pushing for followers. I haven't done that for years now because I, I stopped caring about that. It was a numbers thing and it just didn't matter to me anymore. Um, my direct sales actually came because in the early days of eBay, um, and this, by the way, is the story of how I learned this could be profitable. Um, the reason I turned to golf and WNBA was because it wasn't baseball. I kept too much of the baseball still in those early days. I wanted to keep the stuff. I was like, I don't want to keep WNBA. I don't care about golf with Tiger. But I learned that eBay used to have a feature because now they block everyone's emails. and They don't want you contacting buyers. Oh, that you could check a column at the top of the of your cells that highlighted like, you know, 100 names or 200 names at a time and bulk email those people. And I finally learned that's when I learned business around 21, 22. I was like, I'm going to reach out to all these people that bought a series one base set from me and say, hey, I'm opening Heritage next month. Would you are you do you collect that? Do you need anything from it? Hey, I make gold parallels of tops series one or I'm opening series two. I, uh, back then it was traded in highlights, not update. You know, and I would just inform people and I gained all of my direct customers that way back in the day. So that that actually is what led it to be. Oh, I'm not just doing four cases of tops one. I'm not doing eight cases now and 12 cases and, and now to 100 plus. The Twitter has helped because over the years, each year, the collecting base until maybe this year has the average age of collectors have gone up. We weren't getting much new blood in it. Most of my best customers, and I don't mean this like, I shouldn't say it that way. Because, I mean, I don't care if someone's buying a $5 team set from me or spending 15000 on a full Heritage Master with autographs and throwbacks and all that. They all are valuable to me. But I should say my top, you know, paying customers or whatnot are all in their 60s, 70s, even 80s. And oh. several of them have passed away. In the past five years, several of them have stopped collecting for various reasons. And so Twitter has come in and I've gained new direct sales that have kind of, yeah, I've been around 50 to 55% direct sales for a decade. And okay. so every time I lose one that's through email, I gain a few, few through Twitter. I've learned that Twitter doesn't bring me a ton of business that I can tell though, because I have done some tests. Like I'll be like, Hey, if you're a Twitter follower, me spend twenty five dollars this weekend, uh, and I'll make your shipping free on eBay. And it hasn't led to a lot of sales. Now, granted, that's one little sampling, but you know, I have seven thousand followers plus or minus, and so I, you know, sometimes it, I'm sure it does. But a lot of the people that follow me, you know, already deal with me, um, or follow me for news or whatever, just pictures. Sure. You know, I may not turn them into a customer. So, you know, but Twitter is definitely an awesome tool and I should use it in different ways. But it, again, my, right now, my priorities is is also my family, not just cards. So I want to make sure I'm spending time with them and not so much on the social media. You mentioned earlier when you're first making some of those intentional purchases with the intent to flip, you use blowout to, to buy some of their closeout type of stuff to source Correct. those cards. Tell me about 
how you go about doing that now or how that has changed and evolved as you as you grew? Do you go direct to the manufacturer? Um, like did direct tops account? Do you use a distributor? Both still use blowout and DA and some of those or a combination of everything? I am 100% with only one distributor. I used blowout for a number of years back then. There was no way to get with a distributor. I had tried and I told them, look, I'm buying more cases from blowout than any shop or, you know, um, but they all said, you know, you have to have, you have to have a store or you have to spend this amount and it's changed. Group breaking changed. All that opened the floodgates to distributors, um, especially as products in it early 2010s and stuff were tanking they'd come out and on release date they would be cheaper by the case and even i could pay it five percent above cost or something so yeah it's all from distributor i haven't bought anything from blowout or dna or anywhere else for i'm forever i'm i I don't use any of those as a source um i am on dealer net i i have bought a couple of cases there just for investment purposes after release because i thought they would go up but no, I mean, distributor is my method. So how has, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen pre-sale prices not mm. be near as low as they were in the past. We've seen allocations start to hit a lot of everyone, it seems mm. like. How has that impacted your yeah. ability to, to source cards? That's a great question for right now because I had zero impact to me during, you know, the judge year 2017, the Kuna Torres, you know, Soto year 2018, Otani year 2019. My distributor was very fair to me because, again, for over for 15 years from that source, I was buying 550 plus cases a year and it was all the junk tops and i don't mean that in a negative connotation i just mean a low end how's that that's the right term i passed on all high end because i learned very quickly when it did become a business that i was losing on 98 percent of high-end products that i opened i learned that i lost on basketball football and that my customers wanted baseball so i transitioned transitioned to that fully and went to the low-end set building stuff which was the stuff that i liked already and so thankfully I was not getting cut and my prices remain the same this year. And at the tail end of last year, that has started to change. I know, for example, on Bowman, I am going to be cut in half from last year. And that's surprising to me because I was allowed to get as much top series one as I wanted to. Um, and I know that that helps with their allocations. The more the low end stuff that the distributors purchase and sell, they get higher allocations on the better stuff, but it is what it is. My prices also got bumped up for the first time this year and 15 years. My percentage that I pay above cost. I understand the market is hotter than we've ever seen. I've been very blessed to have it how I have, but I'm not entitled. But I would say in all fairness, again, I was buying through the worst years. Um, I bought so much product of stuff that tanked that i lost money on the distributors were losing money on they had hundreds of cases left over of stuff i mean uh, even bowman back in those days was not a winner um i would i remember buying 100 cases of was it 2011 draft i guess it was or something and that product went under cost after it was released i mean eventually it went up you know but 
And that's how Bowman used to do. Bowman would hit, it would go down, and then you would wait six months and it would go back up. But, you know, I didn't care about that because by then I'd already opened it all and moved what I wanted to. Sure. So, but now, yes, the market is changing. So the reason your question is perfect timing is because I've already started to think, what can I do next? Because what I'm doing now no longer works. As long as the market is this hot, someone like me really can't afford to, A, be cut on cases because then I can't help my customers, all my direct customers, and fill their orders. But they don't, direct customers don't want to pay more. If a top series one set is $25 10 years ago, they only want to pay $25 this year. They don't, you know, they don't understand that shipping continues to go up and case costs go up. And, you know, it is what it is. But that kind of stuff is pushing me to look at something else like, man, why didn't I look into group breaking? Although I did dabble, I dabbled in group breaking long before anybody even knew or used the term group breaking for it on message boards, even the old blowout forums board, which is, I mean, I think that was 15 years ago. But I dabbled in those kind of things. But it's like, man, I, I wish I maybe went straight for consignment and did nothing but consignment because I, I get asked that all the time. So I'm, I'm looking into other things because what I'm doing now is probably not the smartest or most feasible for most people because you're not going to get the pricing that I get. You're not going to have the customers I have. And I'm not, you know, I'm just saying it's getting tougher. So this market being hot, you think it's a good thing? It is for most people. Uh, especially group breakers, but for someone like me that the return on investment can be hit or miss and you're just opening cases to sell them. If, if you don't get as much as you normally get and the prices are higher, it gets tougher, especially with postage up, eBay fees possibly up, uh, you know, PayPal fees, um, et cetera, et cetera. Have you seen any impact yet for the production shutdown that tops and paninis recently experienced i know you don't really buy panini too much but no because um i mean bowman was delayed obviously um and i get again it was going to be cut in half i stopped opening bowman two years ago bowman was the first time in 2018 that I ever sold a sealed case in my life huh, that's not true i forgot there was a tops mayo football product years and years and years ago that i did because they changed the sell sheet and the product wasn't what they advertised and it was not good, but um, as far as baseball goes, because I learned the at the cost that Bowman was, I couldn't be profitable on it. When Bowman was cheaper, I broke even at best on 60 cases of jumbo when Bowman wasn't Bowman as it is now. So I, uh, I don't open Bowman anymore. I hold on to that and sell the cases. And then there was really nothing coming out that I opened since I don't mess with the high end until end of March anyway, or May, excuse me, end of May with big league and pro debut. Those release dates are pretty much the same right now. Although I do expect tops is going to have to move them. I would assume because the printer's, are just going to be slammed trying to get this stuff out and then packed up. So have you, you talked about, you know, exploring some other alternatives. Have you dabbled at all into any of the, the on-demand sets that tops is, is printing, whether that's the tops now or living set or some of these new 2020 sets that are, or the 2020 product that's been coming out. Yes, I've tried it all. Unfortunately, I have not done well at it. <laughs> I, I don't, 
because I get so busy when, when a hundred cases of top series one comes in or 50 cases of heritage, I mean, I am slammed. And so I'll miss days of the now stuff or the living stuff. And that's not good. And I just, I was not a PWE shipper for a long time. I could not compete with the guys that were buying the hundred cards bulk, you know, and shipping them for 450 a card on eBay. I'm like doing the math. I'm like, they're losing money. If someone buys one card, I know that they're hoping someone buys more than one or multiple cards a day or multiple cards a week. And they can ship them later when they come in. I get that concept. It makes sense to me. It's just not my model, especially as a top rated seller, you have to ship daily and those would be pre-sales and I'd have to outdate. I, it would just be a mess. It wouldn't have worked for me. So yes, I do have a lot of tops now cards, especially a bunch of free ones from the coupons I've gotten from buying other things. You know, I will buy their online exclusive stuff, the Allen and Ginner X and tops Chrome Sapphire, those things. I do have, uh, I went through the living set for the first hundred cards cause I wanted to collect it myself. But then I just said, you know, I, I was never going to give up on that. I was not going to, but I, I, I don't know why I stopped. Um, and I kind of regret that, but I have dabbled in that. Um, and the project 2020, that's an interesting thing, my friend, because I saw those at first, the first ones, I was like, I don't understand this, the price point. I don't get the cards. I, I want the original card. I just don't get this. And I like art. But I don't want my baseball card to be art like this unless it's in a, you know, a new product, a new card. But it's grown on me. Um, I have picked up some for myself. Um, but, you know, I try to dabble in that stuff. And the Panini stuff I do mess with the first off the line. That's hot stuff um, when you can. But that all takes time, you know, and you can get shut out on that stuff. So. For the most part, you handle a lot of this on your own but i believe i've read that you at, at some point brought on some additional help at least in the the peak case opening sorting windows of time with some of these releases at, at what point did you realize that you needed some help to to process the the product quick enough well thankfully i met uh my wife in 2002 that was the year because it was the like six months after UD Goth came out, which came out in 2001. Um, and I bought those cases from Blowout and met my wife, and she liked cards and she helped me sort every night, helped me ship every night since we were still married to this day. I had a what used to be a co worker at the bank who became a friend, who actually became a neighbor. Um, her name is Diana that started to help us on the weekends and at night sometime because the volume was just too much, um, especially because eBay over the years went to, you know, ship every day if you want to be a top rated seller. And, you, and even I think maybe three, three and a half years ago, we didn't have to do that. As long as you had your tracking uploaded, you could wait, you know, two days but then it was every day. So as that got harder and harder to do, especially when you're opening 100 cases and then trying to scan and list and and ship um i got her help she learned it over i mean she's been helping me well i mean i've been doing this for about 10 years i met her at the bank so she's been helping over 10 years just as a friend i you know i wasn't paying her and she was helping when she could but i finally offered to uh take her on full time uh last year actually i guess yeah it was last year um and so she helps full time now um and is here Every day, sorting, scanning, shipping, 
doing emails for me. I mean, real realistically, we need 10 to 12 people to do what we do because we're opening more than anyone, and it is so not easy. We don't sleep, um, and the health has not been good, and we do a lot of things that we shouldn't do to stay awake, I guess, uh, drinking a ton of caffeine and eating too much. Um, but, you know, when a product comes in, the first two weeks is really hectic. And then thank- thankfully, rookies out of base stuff have gotten hot because I used to make, sort, and ship 800 base top sets for every series until 2018 update. And with Acuna and Torres and all those guys, again, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to sell 100 base sets and keep the rest of them because uh, we were going to take a family vacation in November, which we had never done. And I was just like, I'm just going to put them away. And thank goodness I did. And now I'm just like, I'll sell 100 sets of each series and then we'll just put the base away. And so that doesn't take as much time. But that can take literally seven weeks usually of 20 hours a day of me and diana sorting plus my wife at nights and weekends and it it's a a long process definitely not the the easy or or Mm -hmm. the the glamour that some people seem to assume there is um when there's a lot of work that that goes into to doing what you do just curious do you have a feel for how much of your inventory is either pre-sold and pre-committed to that existing customer base and and already accounted for you know when you get those cases in and is sold within that first you know 72 hour window that you mentioned how much of how much of that inventory is is either pre-committed or sold right away versus things that you've got just in stock that is gonna sell over time okay um I would say um, pre-sold. The only thing I pre-sell at all is base slash master sets and then team sets. And that's just because I don't know for sure what I'm going to get or what the prices are on the single cards. I can assume I'm going to get, you know, certain autos and relics and stuff like that in 100 cases. But I still don't price those right away. But in that 72 hours, it's usually about 25 to 30%. That's not a large number, but that's not because of me. That's because of the changes eBay made about three years ago. I used to be a 99 cent auction guy. I would go through 80 back then. I didn't open 100 cases, 80 cases of tops. I would sell through 98% of that in seven days. And that's because I auctioned everything off eBay changed it to where, oh, you have to pay this dollar auction fee for one-day, three-day listings, which kills someone like me because mm-hmm. I was doing everything one-day auction, 99 cents. Obviously, not one of one and not you know Mike Trout autographs and stuff. I would do some of those at fixed price. but I mean, my fixed price was maybe 2%, and my five-day auctions were maybe 10% of my auctions. That switched when eBay changed that. Pretty much most people's models switched. There's not as many auctions on things anymore. Um, and so now I'm like 2% auction, 98% fixed price. It's kind of flipped. And so inventory takes forever to move through. I have stuff. When eBay made that change in 2017, I still have singles from 2017 that I would not have. And I could have moved through. So... It us- usually within the first 30 days, 
I it just depends on the product because again, some products I'll open a hundred cases of, some fifty, some twenty, some five. But usually on average it's at least 60 65 70 percent i would say is sold i base my orders off of one thing well, i used to it was my customer pre-orders so what i mean by that people may say well, why do you only open i used to order uh 20 gypsy queen then i cut it down to 15 then 12 then 10 this year people are like why would you do that well the demand for gypsy queen is not there like it is for heritage or series one at all if i open that stuff i would get killed i would lose so much money um because it's not even that profitable of a product there are some years i break even on gypsy queen so a product like the gypsy queen i will sell through most of that in the first seven days still um, because I'm breaking so little and I base my order off how many sets can I pre-sell off of this and I try to order 20% more for people that you know didn't pre-order or to have some on eBay what I based my top series one set off for a long time was I used to have 11 gold set buyers I would buy as many cases that it took to make a gold set and that number just kept increasing because they made higher production so golds weren't one per jumbo pack anymore now they're every two now they're every three four five six seven it's like holy cow to where i just opened 100 cases of series one and i made one gold set whereas used to i could make 11 gold sets out of roughly 40 50 cases so that's really been a stinger because i kept ordering more to try to fill these people's orders and I can't anymore. And so it's, it's, it's harder to sell through that kind of volume. If I was doing 30 cases again, I, even at fixed prices, I could probably move it all within the first couple of weeks. But as we've learned, that's not always wise anymore either. Right. Because look at what happened to the 2018, again, that same root update cards, all the parallels of Acuna Soto, the short print cards, 2019 series two Tatis, Alonzo update last year, Guerrero, Keston, etc. I have those cards. I didn't go through all my golds and foils and pinks and blues and base cards. And that is Unlike me, I used to sell through every single card to where I don't even have a 2016 card in my home. It's just the tail end of 2017 when they made that transition. It's it's a different ball game now, but I it's better now, obviously, because prices are the demand and the all that is has gone up exponentially. Yeah, it seems like that's part of that adjustment that you're making is, you know, to help spread out maybe some of the profitability. You don't get the sell through quite as, as quick, but it might long term add to some of that profitability or help continue to bring in revenue through some of those dud products that you'll inevitably experience. One of the exactly. other things I was curious about from a business perspective is mm -hmm. to do the volume that you're doing. It takes very well established processes. Mm -hmm. And I'm I was curious on how you establish the process flows, you know, your your step from from getting those cases, having the supplies and everything ready to go that you're going to need to be able to break, organize, get rid of the trash. Like, how did that how was how were those processes established for you to be able to to get through that product in a way that helps you? move it in a way that that gets that profitability i mean everything from even listing on ebay and shipping and all of that type of stuff was was were you a process guy to begin with i don't think so i think 
eBay has forced me to develop those processes because again, when I started on eBay, people used to pay by mail and money orders only, you know, and I, I, I could get someone, I hate to say this, but you could get someone's payment in and it could be sitting there for a week. And then you're like, okay, it's Friday night. Let's sit here, put a movie on and do the shipping for the week. The buyers wouldn't ever contact you say, where's my card? There's no, I don't, there wasn't even eBay messages for many, many years. People may not realize that there was no eBay messages. So it's not like the buyer could be like, where is it? So over time, as eBay continued to develop and websites developed, and they said, okay, now you, you know, you have to upload track. Well, you don't have to, but top rated seller, but you have to ship every day and all those things. It became that way. Competition also made me develop processes because more and more people would list early and list early. So, I mean, my, I always said my number one goal, the only thing that makes me money is listing. That's it. There's so many people. I know some guys that still to this day that they will open all of their product before they list anything. And that may work for them if they're doing a case. Although some guys take two or three nights to open a case to enjoy it. And I understand that. But for me, no, I, my goal is to get a couple cases open as quick as possible, get the basic stuff scanned in, you know, the insert cards, because that by that time, I usually have one of every card, every short print for heritage, etc. And get those listed up in a fixed price quantity listing and then start scanning the hits. Goal is to open as fast as humanly possible. I don't care if it's 24 hours a day for the first three days. We get most products opened within three days. Heritage sometimes takes a little longer because of all the variations, errors, and whatnot. Thank goodness they're labeled on the back of the card now for what they are. But, I mean, we can open 100 tops cases in about two full days. Me and Diana and my, my wife doesn't go through the cards anymore because of I don't you know she doesn't know exactly what to look for in terms of variations and stuff so and then you know the process is just Diana will scan while I list those cards but my listing process has made it great because I basically take a Excel checklist I upload it into TurboList and then all I have to do is scan it and I have a Excel program with a micro that a macro sorry that puts all the photos into the checklist and order for me automatically once they're scanned. And then all I have to do is, well, used to, I would just submit them to eBay 99 cent auction. Right. But now it does take me longer because I have to look at every card that I hit and be like, what, what am I going to price this for? Especially the first 48, 72 hours when there's only a handful sometimes of those cards on. And I don't know what the sales prices are going to be of the new rookies or, you know, you can estimate, but the prices are all over the place from, you know, the first Alvarez autographs, one of them's listed for 500, another one's for 200, and you have short prints listed for 200, and some listed for 25. People are all over, and just that just takes experience. And, you know, so you got to, I mean, that's the process. And we ship every night. I usually start shipping around 2 a.m. and don't stop until it's done. And when a product like Base Tops comes out, we're doing well over a thousand shipments a night. So, which can be thousands of cards um, because our average order size is quite large usually. So that it's just never ending, (laughs) but yeah, there's, you got to prioritize and eBay and competition. You may, made me learn that really quick that we have to have priorities. And as much as I want to keep opening and listing that first night, but here comes 2 AM and all of a sudden you've got, Oh, 
you got 500 things to ship out, you know, well, we got to start on the shipping. Maybe not necessarily for somebody who wants to do exactly what you're doing, but do you have any words of wisdom for somebody who's looking to kind of grow their online card business? Yes. Um, if they want to do it, at least the way I do it, um, by, you know, busting boxes or cases and selling them and trying to make a profit. The first thing I would always say is make sure you're buying something that you enjoy um, because it'll it'll be more worth it because if you do strike out and you don't do well, hopefully you at least had some fun. But my advice would be just what you said. You use the word grow. That is so important. There's so many people I've met over the years that contact me. I, I probably still to this day get at least two or three tweets, emails, eBay messages a week, blow out private messages. How do, how can I do what you do? Which that's, it's, it's getting less and less again, because the market has changed and people realize they can't get the cases at the price they want and they can buy singles, etc. But grow is the key term. Don't start. And I've seen so many people that go in and buy 10 cases right away. And that to me is just, unless you're extremely lucky and, and just naturally, you know, know what you're doing business wise. But those people don't realize if they don't have customers, they see someone with possibly low feedback, bitter, sometimes shy away from that. So start slow, start with one or two cases of a product. That's a low end product. You've got to start with low end stuff and avoid the high end. Cause that could get you discouraged. Cause I, I remember busting 10 cases of heritage one year and I made four thousand dollars which was the most at that time of on any product and I was like holy cow these cases cost me like 575 dollars so it was almost a six thousand dollar investment for 10 cases and I'm profited four thousand wow and then I opened a case of triple threads and a case of SP authentic football the next week and I lost four thousand dollars because the triple threads i think was three grand and the sp authentic was like 1500 and um i, I think i actually had for fees and stuff it was like 3700 and it's like there goes my profit and so you've got to start slow um you have to realize that you may be paying a lot higher prices than someone like me for the case for your su shipping supplies you mentioned supplies uh for your ebay fees for your paypal fees all that stuff has to be in consideration. Know that your competition, someone like me, is paying much less than you are. So unfortunately, you're at a disadvantage there. But as time goes by, yeah, you may not be able to cut some of those costs, but some of them you can. And you you learn that over time. But the key thing with starting small is you can start to develop a reputation, a name, and getting some customers because there is repeat business on eBay. There's, a, there's so many sellers, and I don't have all of the those customers at all um and there's a lot of loyalty in baseball cards so um just have fun and start small you don't have to go all in truthfully it group breaking is where it's at right now i can't deny that and um it's probably a lot i won't say easier to make a profit but you know you can base it off of the market then because i have no control over what the market is Yep. And that's the problem with doing what what I do. I can open a thousand dollar case and may only get two hundred dollars worth of stuff out of it. Um, which I should say, this is my final point of someone doing what I do. Take your time, sell every single card if you want to make a profit. 
do not do big, huge lots. Do not, don't even, if you're opening one or two cases, don't do sets anymore. Take out the rookies, sell them individually. Heck, send them to PSA or whatever and get them graded um, if that's what you want to do. But sell every card. Don't think that, oh, I, I opened a case of Heritage, got one autograph and 11 jerseys. I just lost my money. That's so untrue. Heritage is the most profitable product to open at it online cost. Uh, even, you know, Bowman is priced so ridiculously high. Sure, you can open a case of Bowman and get lucky. But, I mean, at the current prices, you know. But Heritage is, is a winner every time, time over time. So, well, th- well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you you taking some time to chat. I, you know, I think there's some great insights there, and really gave a, a, a interesting picture of what it is like to do what you do. So, thanks for for taking the time to do that. Um, before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Well, definitely, uh, Brent and Becca, and that is spelled out B R E N T A N D B E C C A. That's me and my wife. At, that's we have an eBay store called Brent and Becca, and we are on Twitter at Brent and Becca. And I am on Blowout. I just don't visit there much, so you can always hit me up there and private message me, and I'll get that. But I really appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to talk about cards, and whether it's hobby side, business side, both. It's it's always fun. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again. Well, how was that for some insight and some transparency from getting out of debt to what some of the most popular or most profitable products are to the risks that you can take by focusing on the high end and not going into it with a plan? Brent shared a ton of insight and wisdom there. And so I hope you enjoyed that to hear a little bit about what it's like to break over a hundred cases of the tops flagship products and hundreds and hundreds of cases throughout the year. Thanks again, Brent, for coming on. I also want to remind you to check out underdog collectibles at udogcollect.com. They are regularly breaking a variety of basketball and baseball products as well as selling some singles so check them out at udogcollect.com follow them on twitter at udogcollect and follow them on facebook by searching underdog collectibles i would also really appreciate it if you like the show if you give me a follow at the mike summer if you spread the word leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice i would really appreciate that as i continue to try to help expose the show to more and more people that's all i've got for you today thanks again for tuning in and i will catch you next time